Okay, here we go. All right, I'm going to do a little intro, and then off we go, okay? All right. Thank you for joining us today for the Faith Film Fan Podcast, the place you go to get the latest news and all the good stuff that's going on with the faith films you love. Today, we're going to be talking about the movie The Thorn. It's going to be in theaters uh, March 6th and 7th. And uh, we have the producer of that, John Bolin, on with us. John, welcome to the show. Hey, Rick. Good to be here with you. And uh, good morning or afternoon to your audience as well. Yeah. So you are the producer of the film The Thorn, which uh, you know, I've described it kind of like it's a, a, a passion play. A passion play meets uh, Cirque du Soleil with dancers on strings and spinning around and stuff. So <laughs> tell us a little bit about what this movie actually is. Yeah. So what I'll do, Rick, is I'll give you a little bit of history of the production, kind of how it started. And then, um, and then that'll, that'll explain kind of where we are with this, with this filmed version that's coming out here with Fathom March 6th and 7th. Um, and yeah, you've described it, but it's probably best been described as like the passion of the Christ meets Cirque. It's not a musical, so the characters don't sing. Peter doesn't sing from the garden. There's no Jewish line dancing in the production. Um, it's more like there's a, there's only one real speaking part, and that's the narrator that sort of weaves you in and out of the story. And then you have these phenomenal performers that that tell the story visually from the creation to the book of Acts. But the way the thorn began... And interrupt me here anywhere along the way, Rick, as we go, because I can you're doing I, great. I tendency to just sort of just go. John, you're um, a pro. I can tell you're a pro. You've done this. <laughs> a, you've done this a couple of times. A time you? or two. A time, a time or, two. or two. Yeah, no, no. I, that's what I'm wanting. I'm wanting to know what this is. You know, help us understand what this movie is. So, okay, so 20 years ago, my wife and I moved to Colorado Springs, and I was uh, actually moved here to, to open a little outdoor retail store. So. We sold backpacks and tents and climbing gear and sort of like an REI type business. We had a little store in the mall and I went and volunteered at my local church and um, I offered to help any way I could. And they said, hey, would you run this college small group? So I said, sure. You know, I'm, uh, I went to ORU, but my degree is in marketing. I'm not a, a theology guy per se, although I love the Lord and the word of God, but um, but I just ran this college small group and let college kids come in. So on Friday nights, we closed the front door of our little store and opened the back door and college kids came in. And before we knew it, we had a couple hundred college kids meeting every Friday night. And then the youth pastor at the church said, hey, um, I'm leaving. Would you be the interim youth pastor until we can find a real one? So I said, sure, I'll do that. I'd, I'd love to. So I, I became the interim youth pastor, but I wasn't a great speaker and uh, so instead of preaching, I would do what we called illustrated sermons. This is back in the like mid to late 90s. And um, my parents were both actually professional stage actors. So I kind of have the theatrical blood and uh, it came very naturally to me. So we would do these big like illustrated sermons. Well, there was one Wednesday night. It was October of 1996. I'm sitting on the edge of the stage at our youth meeting. And um, it's after the after the meeting's over, and there's this 16 year old girl that I'm sitting next to, and she's 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 weeping, she's bawling, and she holds out her arms, and I could see where she had been cutting up and down her arms, and uh, I, I turned to her and I said, "You don't have to do this because Jesus did this for you. He took this for you." And so, um, so right there, I thought, you know what? Next Wednesday night, I want to do an illustrated sermon, and I want to show two things on the stage. I want to show one the price that Jesus paid for us. I wanted young people to know whatever pain you're going through, whatever struggle that's happening with your friends, your family, and your physical body, 
emotionally, whatever you're going through, Jesus understands because he's been here and he took the stripes for us. So I wanted them to see that. I didn't want to be gratuitous, but I also didn't want to hold back. I didn't want to pull any punches. So I thought we're, we're going to show that. And then number two, Rick, I wanted to show the spiritual battle for the calling, destiny, and identity of the, the generation that we're that, that I was preaching to and so that I was teaching. So, so that was it. I wanted to show this like this this supernatural battle for their choices in their life and their calling, but I also wanted to show the price that Jesus paid. So the next Wednesday night we did the very first Thorn performance, and I got to tell you the truth, it wasn't very good. Um, the makeup was bad, the costumes were bad, the music was bad. We we didn't have any lighting to speak of, so we had four people in the corner of the room just turn lights up and down, um, but. It, it worked because God loves it when we tell his story. And we had several hundred high school students that made decisions for Christ that night. We had all kinds of kids that found freedom from, from uh, addiction and uh, bondage and just things that had been holding them down for years and years. So anyway, that was the first Thorn performance. The senior pastor poked his head in the door and saw what happened at that youth meeting and said, hey, would you do this for the church next Easter? So the next Easter, we we said, sure, I'll, we'll, we'll try. I didn't, again, I'm, I'm I'm not a pro at that time. It was theater. So we asked a lot of friends and 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 sort of figured out how to do it. And the next Easter, we did this Thorn performance for the whole church. And the church was maybe a couple thousand members. And, and we actually had almost a quarter mile of cars that couldn't get into the parking lot for that next Easter. Cars were parking on the field. People were crawling under barbed wire fences to get into church to see this production of the Thorn. And... Um, and and it was it was amazing to watch how God grew the production. A few years later, my wife and I saw Cirque du Soleil for the first time, and I remember thinking to myself, "I'm so moved by this production." And it's not even a redemptive story; it's just Cirque. I mean, the costumes are beautiful, the the music was was incredible, the set design was great, and I was deeply moved. And I thought, how much more could we move people by telling the story of God using? The, the, these creative tools, right? So, so we really adjusted the thorn and um, began to move more towards what it is today. So, so it grew. And Rick, we had about ten years or so where we just did it exclusively for one local church, and we would have as many as twenty or thirty or forty thousand people come to see the show just in that one venue. And but then we began to get requests from around the country for other churches that wanted to see this production, and so. We, we in the early, um, I guess it was about 2011, we began to tour with the Thorn around the country. And so we would have 40 or so performers and we would go around the country and bring the Thorn to these different, usually mega church type buildings. And, uh, and we saw God do incredible things. Now, here we are 25 years later, almost a million people have seen the Thorn live. And, um, and then COVID hit. In 2020, we did a part of our live tour, and uh, and then we were setting up in Colorado. It was Friday afternoon, and our performers were ready. The set was up. The lights were dialed in. Everything was ready to go. And then we got the call from the governor saying we couldn't perform that night. Mm. Mm. So, so, yeah, we shut down the thorn, and it didn't tour. And the next year, 2021, it was dark the entire year. So... I remember feeling like maybe this thorn season is over for our family and for this ministry and for this production company. Like maybe we just move on to the next thing. And um, and then I saw what Dallas Jenkins was doing with The Chosen, not just all around the world, but specifically over Christmas. He put The Chosen in movie theaters and worked with a company called Fathom Events. And I, I was familiar with Fathom because Fathom 
um, is actually headquartered in Denver, Colorado, right up the road from us. So, so we contacted Fathom and we said, Hey, do you think the thorn could be a Fathom event? And uh, actually, Rick, they said, yeah, we do think it would be a Fathom event. In fact, we've tried to reach out to you over the past five years or so because we think it would be perfect. So, so um, I, wow. I just, I just dropped the ball on that. But anyway, so, so, and and Fathom kind of began as a way to broadcast the performing arts around the country. So, like, if you wanted to watch the Metropolitan Opera, or the New York Ballet, or Broadway, then and you lived in Kansas City or, or Omaha or Denver, then you could go to the movie theater and you could watch these performances. So Yeah, many of our listeners are, are familiar with Fathom events, absolutely. I mean, that's, uh, that's kind of the bread and butter of a lot of the faith-based films right now. Well, yeah, so Fathom added this inspirational or faith vertical about five or six years ago, and you've seen it with The Chosen. It's just blown up and done incredibly well with Fathom and Life Mark, The Case for Heaven, Case for Christ, The 5,000 Blankets. There have been some really amazing films. Uh, I Hear the Bells, uh, other ones that have done tremendously well using that Fathom model. So, so Fathom was excited about The Thorn. So last year, we filmed The Thorn um, in Denver, Colorado for this Fathom release. And then not only that, but now we're, 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 we're releasing the, the film with Fathom on March 6th and 7th. But addition to that, we're also doing the largest live tour we've ever done in the history of, of the thorn. And so we'll be in 11 major markets and we're, we'll be in all performing art centers and arenas across Colorado, Texas, and the Southeast. In addition to the, the film release on March 6th and 7th. So this is a big year for what God's doing to tell a story wow. through this, this production. Amazing. So, so you filmed it, was it during COVID when you did the filming? We filmed it last year. So tail end of COVID, it was 2022. And we didn't even know if people would come back. So we did a limited live uh, run. We, we, we booked a venue in Colorado Springs in Denver. Weren't sure if anybody would show up and actually it sold out. 10,000 people came and oh my we goodness. filmed it. Yeah, filmed it in Denver and with cinema cameras and a phenomenal crew. And then it's interesting because, you know, it's it's weird to film a, a live theatrical production and try to adapt that to film. And um, not everything worked, you know, to be honest. We watched the, the initial, like, assembly cut of the movie. And there's these scenes during The Thorn where the narrator, like, stands on the edge of the stage and breaks the fourth wall and talks to the audience. And it's great live live. It's, it's hilarious and it works and it's, there's energy there, but watching it on film, it just didn't stand up. So we made the decision to reshoot all the narrator scenes as live action dialogue driven narrative. So more like a chosen type scene. And mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. we, we filmed that in Los Angeles, actually in last fall, and we intercut the story of John the Beloved talking to this young slave boy, Asher, and telling him the story of Jesus. We intercut those scenes with the live show scenes from The Thorn. And at first we thought, is this Frankenstein like thing going to work? And, and actually it does work. And I just saw the final cut a few days ago with all the sound design added and Foley and special effects. And, and we're really happy with the way that it all turned out. That sounds great. And you can uh, see The Thorn in a, a theater near you uh, on March 6th and 7th. And uh, you can go to thethorn.com to find a theater and uh, a location near you and uh, to get tickets. And I do uh, recommend, uh, you know, getting tickets early because sometimes these theaters sell out, as you know, 
Have you ever thought to yourself, hmm, it would be great if there was one location I could go to to learn about what new Christian movies are coming out and where I could see them and interesting stories and news about the latest films and stuff like that? Well, guess what? There's a place and it's called, wait for it, faithfilmfan.com. If you like Christian movies and you want us to make more of them, you got to go buy a ticket because they're not cheap. So plan a movie night out at faithfilmfan.com. You can also find this podcast on there as well. Thanks for supporting films that are worth watching at faithfilmfan.com. So let's talk about producing a movie like this. How would producing something like this differ from a production role of a regular, you know, uh, scripted movie. Yeah. So there are a number of ways it's different. And I can tell you this, Rick, this is our first, I've been doing live stage for 25 years. I've been doing feature films for now about nine months. So, so I'm not the guy to really <laughs> ask about how to do it. Uh, um, but I can tell you that my experience, I, I have been on a number of feature sets before certainly. And I know that process pretty well. And it's different in that we, you know, when you're filming a live production, you're not shooting for three weeks. and Instead, you're shooting for on a compressed schedule. So we shot for five days. We shot three days, what they call coverage. So that's like no audience in, in the room. It was just my actors and performers. And we were getting all the angles that you couldn't get during a live show. So when you're going to have that steady cam camera on the stage going around the cross or around a certain scene like we have these the thorn is like again it's not your grandma's passion play it's got angels and demons battling in the heavens you've got this scene of you know you know the 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 the, um, the garden of gethsemane scene that that oftentimes is portrayed as like jesus like passionately praying at the rock well we have that but then we overlay that with demons and angels battling it out around jesus you know so when you have that kind of a scene happening you've got a we wanted to capture that as if you're in the middle of the action. So we have cameras on stage. So we filmed three days with, with these cameras shooting all the coverage shots. And then we shot for two days, the live show. And we shot all of those days of footage on five different cameras. So five cameras shooting for five days for about 10 hours every day means we have hundreds of hours of footage to go through and catalog. The way you organize footage on a, on a feature film is I mean, it's not simple, but it's more straightforward than the way we had to organize the footage for this shoot. And then to go back later and edit the, the movie, you're trying to capture the story of of the of the live show um, with grabbing all the right angles and the right camera you know, shots and everything. So so that was a bit of a challenge. And we realized that as we got into it, it was a, a lot harder and more complicated than we thought it was going to be. You know, having 25 years to kind of work this story and to get it tight, right? And to get the story tight, having 25 years to do that, that would make it easy in the editing process. Like, okay, here's here's the story we've been telling now. This is kind of our our script. Did you did you find you had to move things around in the edit? Yeah, to- we did. We did actually. And and there there are definitely a few scenes that I would love to get back and reshoot. And then there are some scenes scenes that I didn't know were going to work, and they just punch. They work really well. Um, so yeah, we've done it so much. We knew, we know the show, we know the progression, we know exactly where the action is going to move. Um, and so in some ways it was, it was easy, but we also had a lot of surprises where we thought, okay, this, like we have, there's a few songs in the thorn that work live. But when I watched it on film, I thought, I just don't like the way this works. So we had 
probably 20 or 30 minutes of brand new score written just for the movie that we'll now use in the live show. Um, and so having to change out music and then re re uh, edit those scenes for the new music, that was a bit of a challenge we didn't see coming. So you're kind of organizing the, cause a lot of those calls a director would make. So you're kind of, you're kind of organizing the direction, organizing the edit. You're kind of overseeing everything. So it's more than what a producer normally would have in a regular film. You, you seem to have, you know, a, a larger role producer is a title, but it seems like there's not enough heads to, to wear the hats you're wearing. Yeah. Well, and in this case with the thorn, I've sort of worn all the hats through the years, everything from actor to set designer to lead janitor, cleaning up the set pieces to director. And as we've grown, we've added more and more really capable people, much more capable than me. So we had two directors on this, on this uh, production. We have the, the live show director, and then we have the filming director. So two different guys, and they really helped manage that process. We actually also had a first AD, Adam Drake, who's the first AD on the chosen set as well. He came in and first AD the Thorn production just to keep the wheels on the bus, make sure that we were getting through all the sh the shots we needed to every day, making sure that we didn't miss anything. So we had a number of of really high capacity creatives that were involved in making sure we got the shots that we're telling the story, that the actors were on their cues. Um, and the, again, the thorn only has a few speaking parts. So a lot of it is more like it's action driven as opposed to dialogue driven. Um, and so that's a little bit of a, of a different challenge. And then uh, grabbing that pacing later and, and capturing that on film and the edit, all that is a was a challenge. But um, the team we pulled together was really, really great and did a phenomenal job. Is the uh, dialogue all scripture? No, the dialogue is um, based on scripture, but again, we 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 picked the dialogue. So originally in the Thorn, it's just a narrator who it's and it's the narrator in the live show. We we rotate between different characters in different years, but kind of the primary narrator we have is this eighty-five-year-old John the Beloved on the island of Patmos. So in the live show, the 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 lights go up and we experience John. We see him on the island of Patmos, and then he addresses the audience. For the whole show, he's talking back and forth to the audience, remembering his time with Jesus. So it's all based on scripture, but it's in John's own kind of like language. And so, and he he's got humor in there and all of that. And then for the movie, we we changed that to John the Beloved. The opening scene is he's in his in his cave on Patmos, and he's having it like a nightmare, remembering being in the Colosseum in Rome. He wakes up startled, and then he here is somebody in the cave with him, and it's a slave boy Asher who is trying to steal some of his food. And so he, he he sits with Asher and Asher says, you know, I've heard that you, you know, things and that you, you're telling, you're writing a story and you're writing, you're, you're writing some th your visions and whatever. And so then John begins to tell Asher the story of Jesus. And we intercut that with scenes from the thorn. So it's based in the Bible, certainly, but, but we've added this new character and we've written his own dialogue, which of course is not in the Bible. So similar to the chosen where, you know, I know he, he the, the creator has said, you know, hey, this isn't we're not doing scripture here. This is a TV show, right? You know, that's exactly you, right. Same thing. You, yeah, you've got it. You've got a play you're doing. You've got a, uh, a, yeah, really kind of an extravaganza, really, when you want to go through it. I mean, it really yeah, is. It is. It's, it's spectacular. a spectacular. Rick, it's yeah. crazy. It is. People leave the thorn, the live show, and they a lot of people leave unable to speak. People leave with their jaw drop. People leave you know, tears through on their face. People leave. The one thing we hear more than anything else is that is not what I expected in a good way. Like I did not expect to experience that in church. It grabs you from the opening scene as the creation of the world. 
and it hooks you in on the edge of your seat for the next two hours. And it moves mm. pretty quickly through all the scenes. And the first half of the thorn is a really, it's like the creation. And then it's like the waiting for Jesus and the birth of Jesus and his ministry years. And it leads up to the last supper. And then we, at the live show, we have an intermission and we come back for act two and act two of the thorn is, is a really powerful, emotionally gripping, hard to watch hour of of live stage and now film and so that's the that's the betrayal and the and the flogging and the crucifixion and then of course the ending resurrection is it's like the tension and release of the whole thing it's like thank you jesus kind of a thing yeah amen so why do you think people in today's generation why do you think they respond to this you know we've got back in the day you had billy graham he'd stand up there with the bible and he would just he would preach the bible you know and they would come hundreds and hundreds of thousands to hear him just stand up there and talk. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, the Bible says, but this is a little different than that. Why are people in this generation responding to this? Why do you think that is? Well, I just think God is giving creative ideas in all different corners of arts and culture, creative ways to tell the story of God and present the gospel to people. And whether that's Mako Fujimara in, um, uh, in New York, with his paintings that are that are very inc- that uh, that represent and glorify God in a way that the average uh, you know gallery goer would never expect, or it's Dallas Jenkins communicating who Jesus is in a personal way and and discovering the disciples and humanizing them and doing that with excellence, or the thorn on stage. I think that God has given creative ways of communicating who Jesus is and what the gospel is that maybe we haven't done before. I think. To a large degree, Rick, the the body of Christ has given up the mantle of the, the the creative arts, and I think we're sort of taking it back right now. I think during the Renaissance, there was this incredible explosion of art and literature and architecture and music, and the church led the way. If you go back and and look at the Renaissance, the church were the, the Christians were the ones leading the way in the arts, and then somewhere along the way. We gave that mantle up, and I think what's happening now is you see these incredible storytellers and artists and writers that are saying, you know what, we want to tell the story of God, and we want to do it with excellence, and not just follow, but lead the way. And so we're going to produce some really great films and and television shows and stage plays and paintings and, and different things. I think that's what the body of Christ is doing now, and I think this generation is looking for that. I can tell you with The Thorn in particular, we we created it for high school and college students, and that's still the filter for it today. So so a college student who might not you know um, walk into a church or watch something religious, they 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 will experience The Thorn and be engaged from the opening downbeat. And and we see it every single year. I can tell you story after story of high school and college kids that have come to this production, kicking and screaming and leave just in a heap and saying, that was the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life, kind of a thing. And so I I think God's doing that. He's just, I think the kingdom is advancing. And I think if we as artists can just do our part and do it with excellence, then, then we're going to be, we're going to be in for a lot, a lot of really fun, um, it's going to be fun to watch what God does over the next five or 10 years. Well, you look at what uh, these high school kids and college kids now they're used to, they're used to, you know, $400 million movies, right? You know, they're used to so much flash and wow and spectacular and overblown production. And I mean, that's what they're used to seeing. And so um, I would imagine a way to probably address some of the critics who are saying, this is, you know, this is taking the gospel and turning it into a, you know, uh, 
a glitz oh, yeah. show, right? Yeah, we have lots of like, wait a minute, right. you're turning the, the gospel into a circus. And my right. response is, if that reaches people for Jesus, then absolutely we are. We're yeah. but we're not compromising the word of God. We're not. Um, I mean, the when people go to even our our greatest critics, when our greatest critics go and see the show live. That, that there's no argument after that without without exception people will say that was a powerful presentation of the gospel that i mean it is it is a clear crystal clear presentation of the gospel and all the the lights and the fog and the people on silks and straps and flips and all the things that's just window dressing for the gospel that's just window dressing for the core message which is jesus loves you he knows you he sees you he paid the price for you and there's nothing you can do to make him love you less nothing you can do to make him love you more like he loves you and that's the whole point of this production. that's such an important message for this generation you know yes uh, yeah. so i think we we should do everything we can i hope there's some there's some you know christ-centered marvel type movies that come out i hope there's some christ-centered sci-fi things that come out i hope there's some there's some uh, new books that come out that that are like what C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien did that that just really surprised people. I think of my friend Chris Wall, who is, you know, pr producing the Wingfeather animated series, and it's another way to use metaphor to lead people to Jesus. And so I think mm -hmm. anything mm -hmm. we can do to grab attention and point it toward Jesus. I think of the David animated movie that's being funded right now. There's so many great projects that will lead people to conversations of faith and towards the word of God. And that's, that's a good thing. We need to, we need more of that in the body of Christ. Well, we're talking about the, uh, the film, the thorn, which is going to be in theaters, March 6th and 7th. And you can go to thethorn.com to find a theater and ticket information and a location near you. And, um, Hey man, dude, John, this was great. Rick, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it. Appreciate your listeners uh, sticking with us here for the past thirty minutes. And I, I just, I hope, and because this is a film, uh, a faith and family film podcast, there are probably parents that are listening. I'm guessing, but there may also be some artists that are that are just listening to this podcast. And maybe you feel like that God's given you an idea for a story, or a script, or a song, or a stage play, or or a novel, and 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 you've been sitting on it and wondering and feeling inadequate. I want to be a voice in your ear today. That 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 he that has begun a good work and you will complete it. But you have to take the step. So don't let fear or don't let insecurity be the thing that keeps you from God's plan for your life. But instead, make the step. Take the step to to to, to move toward God's plan. So if that's you and you're a creative, I want to encourage you not to give up not to be discouraged, not to listen to that narrative that I think the enemy wants to whisper to us that we're not good enough, but instead take the steps, do the work, get good at your craft and see what God can do. That's awesome advice, man. You've been great. This has been awesome, John. Wow. I can't Thanks, believe Rick. how fast it's gone. We're out of time. Can you believe that? Hey, it's been great. I sure appreciate being on the show. Appreciate you and uh, keep doing what you're doing. Thanks for listening today. Be sure to subscribe to the show and like us. Hey, would you tell a friend about the show? That would really help us out. You can find out more by going to faithfilmfan.com. That's faithfilmfan.com. I'm your host, Rick Altizer. We'll be back soon for another episode of the Faith Film Fan Podcast.